The point of the session tonight is to help us to see that God is present in our everyday places, wherever that might be, and that God can work through us and he can speak to us even in very unexpected places. And we're going to look at the passage this evening because we're going to read about a place just like that. I'm going to ask Andy to come up and do that for us. We're going to be looking at Genesis 28, um, verses 10 to 22, and you can find that on page 30 of the Bible if you want to follow that through. Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. Bit of a gamble there, that's right. (laughs) All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he'd placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Great, thanks, Andy. So Jacob encountered God in this place. And it was an experience that changed him. He was asleep on the roadside and not expecting to hear God or meet with God. And yet he did. The Bible gives us so many examples of this happening. God meeting people in unusual places. And then that experience changing them and where they're going, and what they're going to do. And uh, many of you know that church history is full of this, and our own personal experiences are full of meeting God in unusual places. And possibly some of you shared that this evening as you were talking with a person next to you. And what's really fascinating about many of these stories is that they often happen, not in holy places particularly, although sometimes they do, but very often in ordinary places, just part of ordinary life as we go about our ordinary things. They happen in the places where we go regularly, and they can also happen in places that we're not expecting God to be there at all. 
I was thinking about this. I was thinking what I would say to uh, some of the questions that I put up earlier. And uh, for me, it's interesting because often I encounter God in my work environment. That's one of my frontline places. And I'm sure some of you talked about that this evening. Some of you will know that I work in the NHS. And for me, sometimes it's when I'm quietly caring for a patient or maybe chatting with a colleague over a sandwich in the restroom. As I listen to their stories, maybe with patients, as I help them look after themselves and do bits and pieces, as we chat over a a cup of tea, sometimes even practicing going up and down the stairs. It's amazing what occupational therapists do. We go to the most bizarre and strange places. I'm going to tell you quite a lot of interesting stories about some of the places that I've been to as part of my job. And I thoroughly enjoy it. But it's amazing meeting God in these places. I meet him in bedsides. I meet him in toilets and in stairwells. He's there in staff meetings and in chats with staff. And it's something about God's presence with us that God cares about. He actually really cares about what I'm saying and what I'm doing. It matters to him. And that also the person that I'm with matters to him. And for Jacob, this was an unexpected encounter in a less than favourable place. Many of you know the story, the backstory behind this. Jacob has just tricked his older brother, his twin brother Esau, into his, taking his inheritance and his birthright. And because of that, Esau is out to kill Jacob, his brother. And Jacob is on the run. And that's where this story happens. And this is real frontline stuff, isn't it? Because sometimes our front lines can be difficult places to be in. And for Jacob, this front line was full of um, complicated family relationships. There was conflict there, and it involved an unplanned journey. He was heading into the unknown. It was a very unexpected place to meet God. Right there, in the middle of the pressure of ordinary life and stresses, Jacob meets God. And I think what's really fascinating about this story... And thanks, Andy, for reading that. That was great for my voice. Um, Is that it's an encounter that does happen in a place. And we can often miss this when we look at the story. We can jump straight into the dream that Jacob has, which is important, uh, what God says to him. But it actually happens in a real, physical, geographical, ordinary, soil and rocks, ground type of place. This isn't some sort of abstract Uh, spiritual experience that Jacob has and it didn't happen in a special holy place it wasn't hyped it wasn't emotionally forced it just simply happened by the roadside after a tired day of traveling Jacob grabs a stone for a pillow and he goes to sleep and I reckon it's a bit like us it's like us falling asleep on the long commute home Or maybe it's ambling back from dropping the children at school. It could be as we kind of uh, daze in and out and look at a spreadsheet on a screen. Or it could happen as we're losing ourselves around the supermarket and we can't remember what we came in for. And that happens to me quite frequently. This is the kind of ordinary place that Jacob wasn't expecting to meet God. And God takes the initiative 
And it's God who makes the move towards Jacob. It's really easy, isn't it, to miss this element of the story, to miss the context, to miss the place part of it. And God turns up for Jacob like he did for Moses in a burning bush, like he did for Elijah in a whisper. Jesus meets Zacchaeus up a tree, and then he also meets a woman that's come to get some water out of a well, and she certainly got more than she was expecting that day. How about Peter? He met Jesus on a beach, didn't he? Just where his boat was tied up. And then I love Matthew because he met Jesus at the tax office, which is great, isn't it? That uh, Jesus turns up in all sorts of places. And for Jacob, this experience makes an impact. We read that he wasn't expecting to meet God. In fact, he was afraid. He didn't think it was going to be like that. It was a kind of aha moment for him. Literally, he's woken up um, to the presence of God with him in that place. Um, This week, I've been reading through Isaiah. And it's been really good to be reminded that God often starts encounters with a small word, behold. And it's a really strong word because basically it's this idea of suddenly paying attention, being woken up, being switched on to God and the fact that he is in that place. And for Jacob, this was a bit of a behold moment for him. God got his attention and it happened in an uncomfortable overnight sleeping place. I think what's been helpful for me as I thought about this story is it's just helped me to, rem- to remind me really that, that I need to be awake and more switched on to when God is with me in my frontline places. Because I think it's really easy, isn't it, to sort of drift a little bit through life, almost sleepwalking, some people describe it. And we can be switched off by being busy or maybe just the places that we are in are a bit mundane, uh, maybe even boring for some of us. Some of those places can involve difficult conversations. They can be hard places, places of conflict. Or it might be that the person that we're with is really struggling and going through a very difficult time. But this story reminds us to behold God there in those places, to be switched on to his presence wherever we are this week. So how about you? Are you ready to discover that God is in the place that you're going to be in this week? What might it look like if you think about it? And how are you going to feel about it if God turns up? Are you ready for God to be with you? Or do you require a bit of a rethink of how you perceive your everyday places? So maybe the challenge for some of you tonight is to bring before God your everyday places this week and ask him to wake you up to his reality of being there in those places. But then some of you might already be aware of this, really aware of God going before you and with you in what you're doing. In fact, your places may have become holy places And that's what's really interesting about this story because God transforms something that's really ordinary into a place that is holy. So for most travellers, 
This was kind of just a stop-off place. It was a bit like an ancient travel lodge. But for Jacob, this became not just an ordinary place, it became an extraordinary place. And he describes it as a place which is a touching point between heaven and earth. That's quite an amazing thing to imagine, isn't it? The places that we might be in are touching places between heaven and earth. And because of this, Jacob renames it. He calls it Bethel, which means the house of God. When I was growing up, it was quite common for Christians to have this on their name labels on their houses. And I went online to have a little look to see whether that was still the case. And it was fascinating to see how many places uh, are named Bethel. It's all over the place. It's obviously churches called Bethel, and there's some universities. But there was even a brewer's and a hairdresser's, which is fantastic, isn't it, that are called Bethel. But what if this was actually true for your frontline places this week? How about your home, for example? That it really is Bethel, the house of God. That you're awake to the fact that God is present with you in your home this week as you go about your ordinary, everyday things. As you sit round your table, maybe, with a friend or your family, that God is with you in that place. How about as you make decisions about the way you're going to spend your money this week? God is in that place. God's with you as you cook with your flatmate. As you love and care for your children, as you encourage your teenagers. As you care for your elderly parents, God is in that place. That's really exciting, isn't it, to start thinking about your places in that kind of way, that God is there, to be awake to God in those places. Does that change how you feel about that place? Does it change how you think you might behave in that place and what you might say? Because for some of us tonight, that might be a real challenge. This whole idea of God being with you, Bethel, God's house, where you are, might mean that you've got some work to do. You've got some work to do about the way that you act or behave in your frontline places, maybe. Um, or maybe there's some relationships that you need to deal with and sort out so you can bring honour to God. It's a really simple idea, isn't it, God being with us? And it has big consequences then on the way that we then behave and what we say. But it also does something that goes really deep because it opens up doors of hope in every place that we go into. It helps us to realise that God can and he will work in these places. It means that each place that we go into has the potential to be a place of renewal, of forgiveness, a place of comfort, a place of healing, a place of truthfulness, a place of holiness. Jesus, um, Jacob's dream wakes him up um, to God's blessing and his presence. And it isn't just for him. It has an impact on his family and his descendants. And then what happens next? And I love Jacob's response to this. It's a little bit on this slide here. Because what Jacob says is he says, it's awesome. This is really awesome that God is in this ordinary place, that it's become a touching point between heaven and earth. And as I was preparing um, for the sermon, um, 
over the week, at this point I just had to stop and say to God, my home is awesome, my street is awesome, my workplace is awesome, my church is awesome, because God, you are here. And that's true for each one of us this week. The places that you go into are awesome because God has gone before you and he will be in that place. He's going to be there when you work, where you play, where you sleep and where you eat. And it's awesome. And then finally, Jacob does something else. He marks this place with a stone, if you notice at the end of the story. He takes um, the stone, which was his pillow, which sounded a bit uncomfortable to me, but that's what he did. He took it, just an ordinary object, and he set it up as a pillar, and he marked it as a special place, and then he, he covered it with oil, which was like a form of dedication or anointing. And he did that because he wanted to mark the significance of this experience of God being there. Jacob owned that place. He knows it's important and he used this as a marker to recommit himself to God and to make a physical mark in the landscape to remind him that God had spoken to him there. And also a reminder that God was going to do so much more, that there was a future that he learnt about in this place. The picture that I've got there... Um, it's a picture that's taken from our holiday this year. We went to a lovely beach, and I was really fascinated to see how people had built these stones up on the beach. I don't know if you've seen this anywhere that you've been to. It's a real human thing to do, isn't it? To build stones in significant, beautiful places. Sometimes you see them on mountain tops as well. And that's what Jacob's done. He's made a marker. Every time he passes this place, he's going to remember what God has said to him. And he's going to remember that the work that God's promised to do through him and in his family isn't finished yet. There's still so much to do. Because the promise that God um, gives to Jacob is a reminder of how he's going to use his family to um, change the world. It's part of God's plan for the whole of humankind. God reminds Jacob that he's going to use him. He's going to use him even in his mistakes, um, he's going to work out his plan, even in his faults as, thing, as he goes forward. And we know that Jacob makes a few faults and have quite a few mistakes along the, the, the road, if you know his story. But at this point in his life, he makes a marker, and it's a reminder every time that he passes this place that God is with him. And that can be a really helpful thing for us to mark that God has spoken to us. We can do that in lots of different ways, can't we? Baptism, for instance is a really good marker for us at the beginning of our faith journey to remind us um, what, for what Jesus has done for us. And we can make that mark in our lives through baptism. But we can also do it in everyday things as well, can't we? And this might be something you might want to think about, where there's a way that you can make a mark or some symbolic thing that you can do in your frontline place that will remind you that God is with you. Some people um, put... Uh, uh, little notes up on their screens, um, uh, on their computer. Uh, we can use our fridges to stick things on. Um, some people will write uh, their stories, their memories into a journal so they can go back and have a look at it. Um, for others, it's more about sharing their stories 
Um, getting out there, publicly talking about making a mark out there with others that God is doing something. I found this a bit of a challenge recently. I've been trying to think about how I might do that in my work front line. Um, So over the last few months, I've been popping into my calendar online, which is a public calendar that the teams that I lead can look into, when I pop into the chapel to pray, um, which which we can do once, once a week. There's a meeting where you can pop into the chapel to pray at work. And I had to think quite a lot about this. Am I going to do this? Am I going to make it public? But I have done it, and it feels a really good thing. And actually, for me, it's really helpful. Every time I go through my calendar, um, I can see this marker during the week to remind me to pray for my work context. And, of course, all my colleagues can see that as well. That's just one example, and you can come up with lots of creative ideas and way that you might want to do that. So that might be a challenge for some of you this week to think about some markers that you can put into your frontline places to remind you that God is in that place. So I'm just going to finish up with this final slide that, I, I've, uh, that you might have seen from last week. And it's just a reflection again um, of our frontline places and the fact that the red dots are now starting to have an impact on the pink dots. That wouldn't happen if the red dots weren't in that particular place. And because they're spread out, as Ellen said, they have a much bigger impact on all the grey dots around them. And I think that represents our frontline places this week. And you might want to put yourself one of those dots, think about your frontline place, and then also the people around you in that context. So I'm just going to finish up by asking you to think about a few questions, some take-home for tonight that you might want to think about. So are you ready to meet God in your ordinary places this week? Are you up for it? Are you expectant, waiting to see God in those places? When you think about those places this week, do you think they're awesome? Do you think they're amazing, amazing places where God um, is going to be? And then finally, this whole idea about just maybe marking some reminders um, that you can go back to from time to time to remind you that God is in that place. We're going to finish up now, and you're going to help me to do this next bit. We're going to use a prayer um, that's being used through this series across the country Um, And I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to say this together. So would you like to stand, and we'll pray together. Lord of all creation, thank you that our everyday, ordinary places matter to you, and we make a difference there. We offer you the places where we live, work, study, and play. May we serve you and bear witness to you wherever we are this week. And may we know your presence with us in these places. Amen. Amen.